Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let me also welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad uh, we get to spend this time together uh, today. Thanks for tuning in online. Those of you who are watching at home, uh, glad this is a part of your weekend. And uh, and just a couple real quick announcements uh, just as we uh, transition into 2024. uh, Some things we want to make sure you know about that are coming up and some little bit of changes. Uh, First thing I need to mention is that if you are available this Wednesday evening around 530, uh, we'll be taking down our Christmas decorations. We could use a hand with that. So around 530 this coming Wednesday night, uh, we'd love to see you and help us. And again, as I say many times, many hands make light work. And so we can knock that out in just a little bit uh, this Wednesday night. Also, if you're looking for a place to serve this year, we are still uh, signing up people to uh, do our communion prep, our communion coffee prep. You can sign up for a month at a time. Uh, that sign up list is in the church kitchen. Uh, head there after service today. Uh, Michelle Pipes, who is kind of our coordinator of that, will be in the kitchen today to talk to you, to answer your questions, and let you know uh, what, that, what all that entails and how you can get involved in our communion and coffee prep. And she'd love to talk to you this morning. Um, also, uh, if you have a kid in our faith student ministry, that's middle school, high school, so sixth grade and up, uh, sixth grade through twelfth grade, a uh, big event coming up in a couple of weeks, the faith student ministry annual lock-in happens on January 12th this year. So if you've got a middle school or high school student, uh, make sure that's marked on your calendar. Uh, your kid does not want to miss that. Tons and tons of fun that happens with that. Uh, one more just kind of a housekeeping announcement. This for uh, those of you who are, um, are kind of a part of Faith Christian already. Uh, I know a lot of you are your regular giving you give online, and that's uh, been a great tool for us as a church and a a great convenience for many of you. Um, Our online giving system is changing in the new year, so we just want to make you aware of that. Uh, So um, if you haven't signed up or you need to sign up or or everyone needs to sign up for the new one, the online giving, there's a new button on the website, so go to fccnp.org. There's a new online giving button. You can get that new system signed up. If you have been giving through the old system, you will receive a letter in the mail in the the next week or so uh, explaining how to um, cancel the old program and get involved in the new new online giving program, but you can check that out on the front page of the website, fccnp.org, and that's what you need to know about that. Well, as Brian said a minute ago, I also hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I uh, hope you got to spend it with friends and family. Uh, we, were, we got the chance to travel uh, to Illinois to be with my in-laws, and we had a... What happened? Did I forget something? Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It wrote, what's behind me? Oh, yeah, he's coming, yeah. That was the highlight of the, one of the highlights of the trip. We got to see Eli. That's our nephew. Uh, there he is. Uh, he, we got to spend some time with, uh, with Eli. He's about uh, almost nine months old. Uh, my wife's brother's son, and uh, he's a great kid and red hair and a lot of energy. And I forgot how much energy babies take. <laughs> I should be honest with you. We got tired um, just being around Eli. But babies are sweet, and babies are the most selfish creatures on the planet, aren't they? You know that already. They come out of the womb and everything is about them. When it's time to eat, when it's time to be changed, when they're hot, when they're cold, when they're uncomfortable, when they're sleepy, when they're bored, everything is about the baby. Babies are the only people who can yell at you, spit up on you, poop on you, wake you up at 3 a.m., and you will not fight them. You'll fight everybody else that does that because for a time, for a time, everything needs to be about the baby but only for a time, right? You parent a newborn differently than you do a toddler, differently than you do a nine-year-old, differently than you do a 14-year-old. 
Because once the child grows out of the newborn stage, there is a message that has to be taught over and over and over again. And it is a message that we need to hear today as we get ready to begin a new year together. It's a message that we teach our kids. It's my message for you for the new year. And the message is simply this. It's not about you. That's what we've got to teach kids. That's what we need to remind each other. It's not about you. So we just go ahead, let's have some fun. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you. You've wanted to say this to them for years. Go ahead and tell them, it's not about you. Go ahead, do it. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's not about you. Now don't enjoy it too much. It's not about you. Well, we, we are in church. It's a Sunday morning and I'm a preacher. So you already know what I'm gonna say today, right? If it's not about you, then it's about God. Well, duh, right? That's what I'm going to say today. So let's dig into that a little bit because I want to go a little deeper. When we look at Scripture, we see that God says that it all revolves around him, that it's not about us, that it is about him. And there's a word, a phrase that gets used over and over and over again in the Bible. And here's the phrase. Here's the word. The word is glory. The Bible talks about God's glory, his glory. We sing about glory. It's a very churchy word. We don't use the word glory just out in conversation if you're having dinner with some friends. Glory is a very Bible-sounding word, so let's talk about what it means. Glory can be defined as weighty or significance. Sometimes it's translated honor or praiseworthy or praiseworthiness. To give something glory is to make much of it, to make a lot of it. To give something glory is to say, everything revolves around this, and everything should revolve around this thing, this person, this, this object that we're giving the glory to. To give something glory is to say in words or in actions, this is what it's all about, or this is who it's all about. And throughout Scripture, we see over and over and over again that God created a world that reminds us of what it's all about. For instance, creation is all about God's glory. We just sang that beautiful song. This is my father's world. Rocks and trees and skies and seas, they all speak to the glory of God. Now, as a church, we believe that not only is there a God, but we believe that God created the world. We believe that it's one of the things that makes God different than all the other things in creation. We believe that God is uncreated. What that means is that God has always been that he is today and he always will be. He is before time and he is beyond time. And if that blows your mind, it should. <laughs> he's God. He's bigger than us. He's hard for us to get our minds wrapped around and he should be. There should be some mystery when it comes to God. But it is something important and something that separates God from everything else in the universe because God made the universe. We believe that we and the world that we live in are not an accident. We are not a coincidence. But instead, we are the direct result of, in, of divine intention that God made this world and God made you and according to scripture according to scripture god made this world for his glory let me show you a couple examples psalm 19 verse 1 the heavens declare the glory of god the skies proclaim the work of his hands 
Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. Now, I recognize that not everyone here today, not everyone who's watching this, this online today is sure about what they believe about God. And that's, that's fine. Maybe you're new to this whole church thing. If that's you, I'm glad you're here. Keep listening, keep asking questions, keep learning. But wherever you are on the faith spectrum, I think we can find some common ground here. There is something special about heading out into nature and being around things that are not man-made. There's something that kind of happens in your heart and in, in your spirit. There's a kind of weight or significance when you look out over a mountain range or when you watch the sunset, when we watch animals in their natural habitats, when you hear waves crashing on the beach, when we see the stars on a clear, dark night, when we look around, there's something special about being around things that are not man-made. And I believe that is God's way of reminding us again and again, through what he's made, that it's not about us. It's about him. And when we see the great beauty of the creation we can see the great beauty of the creator. We see how great and how grand and how incredible and how big and how wonderful creation is. And we see how big God is and how small we are. And it's God's gracious way of reminding us it's not about you. Listen to how the psalm writer wrestles with this idea in Psalm 8. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. God reminds us through what he's made that it's not about him, but it's about his glory. It's all about his glory. Well, if everything is about his glory, then you and I are a part of everything, so this is personal. So not only is creation about God's glory, your life is about God's glory. I'm afraid that the, the, the bunch of the issues that you and I deal with in life stem from a misunderstanding of our purpose. We forget where we came from. We forget what we are made for. But God, in his wisdom, he has given us, his, in his divine intention, when he created humanity. Genesis 1, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. It's worth noting that throughout the Genesis account of creation, God is making things according to their kind. He makes the plants according to their kind. He makes the birds of the air according to their kind. The fish, the animals, all according to their kind. And then he gets to humans. And it's as if God says, Haha, these are going to be my kind of creatures. 
and he imprints on, on us his image, his likeness. He makes us in his own image. Meaning that on the blueprint of your soul, there is God's essence. Some likeness of him that he's put in us that gives us value and gives us worth as humans because we are created in his image. And listen, this is not just a matter of, of scientific species. This is a supernatural matter of God's image that gives value and worth to every single person. Not because of them, but because God made them. And guess what? That's all for his glory. Isaiah 46 says, I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my, here's our word again, glory. It was I who created them. So here maybe is a good way to think about this. You were made to reflect your maker. You were made to point back to the one who made you. You were made to represent him on earth for his glory. In the ancient empires, the rulers and the kings of the world, they would have statues built of themselves, you know, before they had cameras and phones and internets and things like that. They would have statues of themselves built and they would send these statues out to all of the towns in the kingdom so that the people in those towns who were part of the kingdom would know who their king was, what their king looked like. And this was especially important in the border towns of a kingdom as a way of showing this is where the king's kingdom starts. So if you go way out to this border town, there'd be a statue. This is where the rule of this ruler begins. This is the start for this king. And the statue of the king's image was to indicate that the king was in charge. Beginning here, here at this point, the king is in charge of this kingdom. Well, I think it's much the same how God has made us in his image to represent his rule and his reign on earth. But imagine if one of those kings, having sent out the statue of his own likeness, sent that out to that border town, decided, I need to go pay a visit to that town. And so we got up a caravan of all these king's horses and all these king's men, and they decided to make their way to visit one of these border towns. And when the king's caravan, caravan arrived at the, at the border town, when the king showed up in the town, no one was there. There was no welcome parade. There was no celebration that the king had arrived. Nobody was at the city gates to announce the king's arrival. And finally, the king and the caravan find all the people in the town square where the statue of the king has been set up. And they're gathered around the statue. So imagine the king steps out of his carriage and announces, your king is here. But the people ignore the king because they're so focused on the statue. Well, you think, well, that's just absurd. There's no way that would happen. If they were enamored with the image of the king, obviously they would turn and they would pay attention to the actual king in their presence. And even though this seems ridiculous, there is a spiritual reality for every one of us. When we live 
when you live. When I live with, well, it's all about me, attitude, you make much of the statue and ignore the king. That's what we do when we operate from a self-centered place. We make much of the statue and ignore the king. We violate, we ignore our original purpose. That's why Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is true of me. This is true of you. This is not, not just something that's true today. It's been true for all of history. We don't just have a sin problem. We have a glory problem. When we sin, we don't reflect our maker. We rebel against him because we want to make the calls. We want to be the ones that get the glory. We want to be the ones that get the attention and the validation. We want to be the one who is in charge. By the way, you're not in control, even though you think you're in control. You're not in, we fight, we posture for position. You're still not in control. I believe that is born from a desire for glory. You and I have a glory problem. And so often we fall short of the glory of God because we're trying to grab our own glory. And deep down, this is an issue, according to the Bible, this is an issue that every single one of us has. And what starts in our hearts begins to manifest itself into our relationships. I have never, never heard about a couple who are getting a divorce because they were too selfless to one another. I've seen a lot of marriages crumble. A lot of marriages fall apart because, because spouses were being too selfish, too self-centered, but never too selfless. This is something that begins inside of us, this glory problem. It begins inside of us, but eventually it will manifest itself outside and how we relate to others and how we try to relate everything back to us instead of the one who deserves the glory. And can I just tell you that selfishness doesn't just end up in relationships. It begins to manifest itself in society and culture at large. And what starts as Selfishness in our hearts ends up in systems of oppression. And if you think I'm making a leap, hold on just a second. Consider the headlines you keep seeing about people trying to use their positions of power to take advantage of or have abused or have misused people. People who are created in the image of God. This comes from a, it's about me mentality. Because if it's about me, then, then what happens is people in power make themselves the most important and then they treat other people as less than people, less than human. And so throughout history, systematically throughout history, people have become products or property, whether slavery or human trafficking. And it gets us to a place where a certain group of people will say, well, it's about us. It's not about them. It's about us. And so if you don't look like us, or if you don't act like us, or if you don't vote like us, or if your skin is not the same color as, as, as us, or if you don't pray like us, or if you don't speak the same language that we speak, if you don't believe the same way we do, then you don't count. You're not human. And suddenly those people 
the ones who were also made in the image of God are no longer treated like people. They're treated like animals. They're used, they're abused, they become treated like property. They get locked in cages, they're exchanged for profit, they are forgotten, and they are abandoned. This is the trajectory of self-centeredness and uh, uh, it's about me mentality. And we end up in a world that's full of this kind of oppression. Caleb Calton backs a preacher down in Texas. He says this, I love this line. The less impressed I am with myself, the more concerned I can be with others. There's your New Year's resolution, resolution if you're looking for one. The less impressed I am with myself, the more concerned I can be with others. But listen, I recognize, I'm, I'm not gonna solve this problem in a sermon. <laughs> there is no amount of teaching that is going to fix this problem. Oh, I can guilt trip you. I, I know I can do that. I'm a strong enough orator that I could absolutely do that. And that maybe might change a little bit of a behavior, at least make you think about it until you get to the car. But it's not going to transform your heart. It's not going to change you or me. You see, no human has the capacity to truly bring transformation. Deep down, inside, I am, and, and you are, we are spiritual toddlers. We're the eight-month-old. With this infant impulse to make it all about us, again and again and again. And, and if we're left to our own devices, we will be caught in this loop of selfishness forever, period. But our hopelessness is what makes the grace of God such good news. Because God knew. God knew that when sin came into the world, we would fall short of the glory of God. God knew that we would end up self-centered and focused on ourselves and therefore oppressing or ignoring or taking advantage of others. God knew that we would end up with a world that is broken and hurting and sick with sin and full of glory-seeking individuals. And the Creator decided, like never before, the Creator decided to join creation and to redeem glory and redeem the image of God in every single person. You see, most importantly, Jesus displays God's glory. We believe not only that God created the world, but that God joined creation in the person of Jesus Christ. We believe that God really did put skin on and show up in, in real flesh and blood person of Jesus, fully man and fully God. He perfectly revealed who God was. And we've been celebrating it for the last month. Hebrews 1 says the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. So Jesus has all the power, sustains the world, but also perfectly displays God's glory and he came. Here's the upside down nature of what God did. 
the God who made us in his own image humbled himself to be made into ours. The sovereign creator was willing to become a newborn, put on flesh and live among us. Feel the pain and disappointment and temptations that we feel. And yet Jesus did it perfectly aligned with God's will. We have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus lived up to it. In everything he did, Jesus glorified God. In everything he did, he remained focused and aligned with God's purposes for him. And guess what? Jesus is the one person, the one person who could say, it's about me, and it would be true. Look at Jesus' life and ministry. It is marked by serving others. Healing the sick preaching good news to the poor, associating with the outcast and mending the broken and laying down his life in self-denial and self-sacrifice. Paul put it best, and he writes this hymn about who Jesus was in Philippians 2. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, because he humbled himself, because he's the only one who can say it's about me, but he didn't. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every, all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare, read the part in yellow out loud with me, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what if? Church? What if? Christ follower? What if in 2024? What if? And I mean this for, for you as, a, as an individual. I mean this for us together as a community of a church. For those, those of us who wear the name of Jesus, what if in 2024 we stopped fighting for power and attention and recognition? What if we stopped competing for influence? Stop competing for visibility? Stop competing for power. Stop arguing over who's in charge. Stop trying to, 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 to position for the future. Stop trying to build our own little empires. Stop flattering and stop scheming and stop criticizing and stop comparing and stop climbing over other people in order to think we're more important. What if we, what if we put our glory on the shelf and put on the hands and feet of Jesus and served and loved and sacrificed and engaged in the margins. What if we were to look and see the image of God in every single person we see to the glory, the glory of God the Father. If our communion team would take their places, let me pray for you.
Father, for your glory, we live. For your glory, we love. For your glory, we serve. Because you have given us life. You have set the example of love. And you've taught us how to serve. So with everything we do, every word that comes from our lips, every decision, every transaction, every commitment we make, every deal we close, every conversation we engage in, every choice we make about our checkbooks and our calendars, would it be for your glory? And now, Father, as we come to our time of communion, we recognize the one to whom all glory is due. As we consider a crucified Savior, you, the creator, putting on skin and coming to die in our place for our forgiveness. We put all that glory on the one that deserves it. We celebrate him as we eat and we drink this time of communion. We pray in the name of Jesus.